there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, this is it. The time each week we go advanced medicine with Dr. Rashid Bittar here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And Dr. Bittar, you kept me up late last week, but we had a great time doing a webinar for the people of planet Earth and all those that joined us. Yeah, we did. We, it was a great uh, great time and uh, pretty overwhelming response. So it's always worthwhile whenever we've got a lot of people wanting to uh, you know, get information. So it was good. Now, for the folks that couldn't join us because there was a limit on the number that could join that could attend, is there a way that they can access the information, the things that, that we did? Was it recorded for people in the future? Yeah, actually, um, it was recorded, and anybody who registered for the webinar will get a, a link to be able to view it. And if you did not register for the webinar, then the only way to really view it would be to become a member of the IADFW. And um, that would be the only way to watch it unless somebody, like I said, pre-registered for it. Okay. And I think we've told them that before, but it's been a while. And I think the code for the Robert Scott Bell Show listeners, if you if you find the IADFW, it's uh, 1358 because you have to be invited. And as a loyal listener to the Robert Scott Bell Show and Advanced Medicine each week, you can be, you can take part in that group and learn things you can't learn in the uh, – how would we say, the restricted uh, public airwaves. Right, exactly. And the link to uh, find that uh, area where you can enter that invitation code is advancedmedicine.info. If you go to advancedmedicine.info, you will be able to see the um, field that you can enter the invitation code that Robert just gave me. Robert, you might want to give that again. What was it, 1358? Yeah, 1358. That's your uh, code of invitation. So if you go to advancedmedicine.info, and Super Don will blast that out through the social media outreach for those that uh, want to get out of the public domain and get into a place where uh, freedom of speech really is freedom of speech. I mean, I think we do a pretty bang-up job here each week, but I know that we have limitations on what we could say, what we'd like to say, sometimes in response to uh, uh, listener questions. Yeah, so the whole thing is the um, association aspect allows an individual to go into like a private club, just like you would if you go into certain counties in the South where alcohol is prohibited, but if you go into these clubs, these private clubs, these private associations, um, you can then consume alcohol, buy alcohol, sell alcohol, but only club members can do that. You cannot do that as a matter of the public. In other words, those places can't advertise. They can't solicit customers from outside. Uh, same type of concept with the uh, sharing of uh, cows for milk, for raw milk. If it's your own personal cow, you own a share in a cow, then it's a private group, but you can't advertise, you can't sell it, uh, you can't commercialize it. And so here, we're not advertising, we're not putting out the information. It's a private association. And if you enter and you join, uh, then as a private member, we can share certain information to you that is not available to the public. Uh, The public is not privy to it. They don't even know about it. The only way you can know about it is if you're a member of the private association. And that's basically um, how we are... This is a venue that we're using to be able to give you 
unbiased, full disclosure, um, what they call informed consent, truly informed consent. So you have all the aspects. You can, mm-hmm. Informed consent right now has a political connotation to it. You only get informed consent and get the information that is considered part of what's acceptable. But anything that is unconventional, that is integrative, that is outside of the norm, outside of the box, they will prevent you from being able to get that information. And so this is a way for us to be able to give you all the information and truly get the informed consent. Yeah, it's still shocking for some folks to, when they wake up and realize that freedom of speech in America doesn't really exist. I mean, in certain areas it does. You say, well, you can say whatever you want, right? But if you can say and back it up, right? If you can help a, a, a patient to reverse cancer without using chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery, and you actually say it, advertise it in some way, the word gets out, uh, you'll find out how little freedom of speech you actually have in America. But since not everybody is a doctor or, or overtly a healer, uh, they don't know they, until they find out, well, wait a second, I want to know about this supplement. I want to know what it does. And then the, you find the store can't tell you. Or if they do, they hush you, hushingly take you out back and say, okay, this is what I couldn't say in the store. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's like we're in East Germany under the former Soviet bloc worried about people who are your neighbor that would turn you into the FDA for actually speaking the truth about healing. It's pretty ingenious, though, Robert, when you think about it, how – the medical hierarchy and the and big pharma, how they utilized um, this uh, freedom of speech component, and under pretense of public safety, they manipulated it. And it's that component that the fact that the public is not smart enough to know what is true and what is not true that we are going to protect the public and we're going to prevent the public from getting hoodwinked. And under that pretense, that's how they regulate the message. And so they basically open up their own um, marketing vehicles to get the information that they want to get out. But anything that's competing or anything that could be better or anything that would reduce the amount of sales from their products, their, their pharmaceuticals, they will stem that tide. They will obstruct it. They will prevent it. And at, at worst, you know, if none of that stuff works, then they'll go after the people with the, with the, the message that's away from their message and demonize them and minimize them and they do it all under this protecting the public um, cover-up. Yeah, we have a, an interesting article that uh, John Rappaport just wrote today uh, about, well, Trump succeeding as president would be equivalent to forcing progressive vampires to walk through Death Valley at high noon. And it, what, is, mm-hmm. what is it about these progressive vampires? They're people who perceive or pretend to be out for your, your greater good yet would not actually allow you to care for yourself. And the fact that you actually would is an audacious thought. And if you actually did, it'd even be worse because it would show how much you don't need government phonies interfering in your life, telling you they're out there to protect you or help you. In fact, this whole component of the autism um, cover-up is exactly that because they have, I think with the vaccines, with the autism issue, they have never been more susceptible to exposure than they are now, and that's the reason they're getting they're doubling down and buckling down so hard and trying to resist that awareness because that would show not only that we don't need the government or we don't need people telling us what is right and what's wrong, that if we allow somebody else to have that responsibility over us, we will invariably be hurt because that's what's happened with the vaccine industry with the autism uh, epidemic. And so... I think that's part and parcel of exactly what you just said. It's the, it's the next level because they know 
that as soon as they become exposed, not only do people become aware that, hey, we don't need you, they become aware that if we allowed you to dictate what's good and what's bad for us, just like Thomas Jefferson said, when people allow government to dictate the foods they put in their mouths and the medicines they take into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny. It's the same awareness that the uh, big pharma is now really, really deathly afraid of because they know, and we've talked about this before, Robert, that if the masses, even a significant, even a small majority of the masses realize the truth that it is enough to cause the next civil war. I mean, just look at what happened with this election and how much a rift that caused in the country. You can imagine what will happen with the vaccine aspect when people really find out what happened. Yeah, and that's the that's what's happening here is that the, the leftist progressives who perceive that they know better than you or me or any of our audience are recognizing that, you know, their their number is up. The people just rejected them. Now we know not everybody did, but the reality is when it comes right down to it, you have your best interest at heart more than anybody else does. You're a special interest of one. And anybody who would interfere in it or in a uh, phony way kind of pretend that they're here to help you when really they're wanting to enslave you and trap you and keep you under their thumb, you begin to realize that the whole left-right paradigm is a scheme to divide and conquer. And we see now the rejection of it on some level to some degree and a transformation that the people are saying, you know, enough is enough here. We want to go a different way. We're not sure what that way is. Not everybody is sure what that way is, but they know it isn't what they've been doing. And that's an awakening. That is such a such an important point, Robert. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Because that understanding that you yourself and nobody is nobody of reasonable intellect or and nobody that's going to be willing to compromise integrity would argue at this point that nobody will have your best interest at the at the foremost as much as you would. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody else may not have more knowledge or more information on a certain aspect, a certain, um, you know, area, a specific area that maybe you don't have enough information on. For example, uh, you may want to become self-sustainable, but you don't know that some of the insecticides or the pesticides that are being used are so toxic, and so you may, thinking that you're doing the right thing, go out and buy uh, insecticide and pesticide for your garden, but in actuality it may not be as good or as safe. So, yeah, there may be little fractions and pockets of information that people may not be aware of, but nobody is going to have your best interest or your child's best interest at the same level as you would. Now, of course, there are exceptions. There are those parents that have maimed their children or, or hurt their children or they're drugged out or whatever happens, and there are people that, you know, that may be self-destructive, whatever. But as a whole, 95%, 98%, 99.9% of the population, you are going to be the most focused on the best for yourself than your um, than, than the government or some society or some other appointed body that's going to safeguard what's best for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have resources. You can get resources to find and get more information, but as far as what's best for you, nobody is going to come close to yourself. And anybody who questions that or, or says otherwise, they've got a higher agenda. They've got a more suspect agenda, and you have to start looking at what is really their agenda. Yeah, well, exactly. And this is what's upsetting to those that lost this election, recognizing they can't control you the way they wanted to before. And that's very upsetting to them, ultimately. Or they want to be controlled by some centralized bureaucracy because they perceive they don't have the capacity to take care of themselves. And in either case, it's a very weak place to be. You're very low on the survival scale. This is not a judgment to say you're worse or better than anybody. It's just an acknowledgement that if the plug is pulled, if something happens, 
you're not prepared to take care of yourself. That's not a good place to be. That's very, very important to also recognize that component you just said, self-sustainability. And if you're not going to be able to sustain yourself, that's when you're going to want somebody else to take over. Take yep. And when you cannot take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else, no matter how much do-good language you can speak. All right, folks, you're listening to Advanced Medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rasha Batar. Links are up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com, as well as to drbatar.com. Remember, the invitation code to the IADFW is 1358. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. <laughs> the truth takes him. Here's Robert. All right, reports out of Fukushima, another big earthquake there. Uh, tsunami warning. I don't know if this is anything like the severity of the original one, but yeah, there's a lot of problems out there in the Pacific. There is radiation leaking. Uh, and, you know, we, we would be right to be a little bummed about it, perhaps. But living pessimistically, according to uh, this study, says uh, you're more likely to die from heart disease. So how do we take bad information Dr. Batar, and not let it get the best of us? Well, this is a topic that is of great interest to me personally, and especially when it comes to dealing with disease. You know, there's that old saying, Robert, I don't know who said it, but they said the saying is, it's not what's important that happens to you. It's what's important is how you respond to it. Mm. So I think it all comes down to a choice. Um, they are people that are not dealing with anything life-threatening, and yet they are they act as if it's the end of the world. And then there are other people that are dealing with end-of-life scenarios, and you would never know it because of their choice to be in a state of love and gratitude and appreciation and happiness. And I think that in itself, is the key. It's a choice. How, how does one do it? It's a choice. Everything's a choice. It's a choice whether you get angry. It's a choice if you get happy. It's a choice to smile. It's a choice to frown. It's a choice to be pessimistic. It's a choice to, in all adversity, look for the silver lining. And, you know, what the choice we make is what determines our outcome, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, and if we look at the reality of um, background radiation levels rising, in the middle of the 20th century, in the dawn of the nuclear age, the atomic age, that already started. We did see upticks in cancer for a number of reasons. We don't say it's one thing. It's a little bit everything. But certainly ionizing radiation, a big problem, not only in medicine in terms of their scanning technology or even treatment techniques of cancer, but these background levels are invisible. And, you know, this is another reason why I say you must do that which is in your genuine control, right, to clean up what you have control over, and recognize that the things you don't, you've got to somehow make peace with it. Otherwise, if you take that pessimistic route on it, of course, the study here says you're more likely to die, for instance, from a heart attack, uh, which, uh, you know, we don't want anybody to do. But how, again, the balance of, yes, I recognize it's real, there's radiation leaking out. At the same time, not let it so, so impact your life that you're, you're moping through life just waiting for death. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. We're all going to die. So that's not the issue. It, the purpose is, of what life. That's what we have to determine. What is the purpose of our life? And if our purpose of our life is to worry about living, then that's not much of a life. But if we have a true purpose, if we understand what our purpose is, whatever it is, 
you know, writing a book or taking care of children, whatever you, you feel your purpose is, then if you start focusing on that and realize that we are all going to ultimately be reunited with the universal consciousness from where we all came from, where we all will go, then that preoccupation with death or, you know, dying early loses its pizzazz, and you start realizing that what's important is living. And so I would much rather live for one day, Robert, in total freedom and and happiness and being totally free to do whatever I want and whatever feels right than to live uh, 50 years or 100 years in constant fear of dying because that's not living. And so I think this is where people fall flat on their faces. They start getting so enamored with trying to um, be proactive about their health that they forget about the most important thing about health, which is living. You're trying to live a healthy life so you can live longer. But if you become so um, pathologic about it, because everything is about balance. I know people that stress out so much. I'll give you a perfect example of what happens with patients that have cancer, for example. I would say that 95% of them are, are fine with once they understand and they've seen the DVDs, they've seen cancer, they've the whole truth, they understand, they've read the material, you know, they're fine. But there's a few small uh, percent of people that still really want to get that CAT scan or the PET scan or whatever, the, you know, MRI, which is fine if that's what they want to do it. The problem is they're concerned about the toxicity, and I have found that the worry about, well, I haven't gotten a CAT scan, I haven't gotten a CAT scan, I haven't gotten a CAT scan. I would much rather do the CAT scan and appease that person's worry because by not doing the CAT scan, they're going to create more physiological stress on their body than the, than the radiation of the CAT scan could do. So it's all about balance. It's all about awareness. It's all about making sure that you understand what is the purpose of living a clean life. Well, if, if you want to live a sustainable life and you want to eat organic, but you're so pathological that you create so much stress in your own body because you're looking at every aspect, you're going to create more stress than say, having a slip once a month and having something that's not organic. You you get my point? Yeah, you don't want to be overly attached and obsessed. Uh, You know, there is, a a, again, the reality is I can only control for that which I have control over. And we know also life is so resilient that it can adapt to survive, although adaptation into chronic disease and cancer might not be your goal. And if it isn't, then keep listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Keep following up on Advanced Medicine Mondays as well as read Dr. Bittar's international best-selling book, if you haven't already, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. More after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. For many years now, I've been saying the most dangerous thing you can have in modern America is really good health insurance. And now the New York Times maybe agrees with me, maybe not on the danger point, but maybe it could be argued here with Dr. Batar. We're going to do a segment, Super Don Calls, I Told You So. Yeah, well, I don't want to sound like a d- but I told you so. I told you so. Oh, I told you so. Well, it turns out, Dr. Batar, the New York Times may be in agreement with us about health insurance. They're saying many kids now that are insured thanks to Obamacare lack essential health care. I'm like, wait a second. I thought you said they had health insurance. <laughs> They're finding out that their health insurance doesn't cover anything that's really healthy. Yeah, you know, that's, that's an interesting point, Robert. Think about that. Getting somebody insurance 
that's a word, it's a label, right? But mm-hmm. then what does that insurance give them access to? And so it's, again, semantics. You can have every, you can insure everybody, but then if nobody has access to the doctor that they need or the doctors that are taking that particular insurance are limited so that there's an inundation and overflow of patients into that small group of doctors and the rest of the doctors won't accept that insurance or don't accept that insurance or they're not of that subspecialty, then what's the point of having that insurance? Right. Well, 35 million more Americans that couldn't afford it now have it. What do they have? They have something that they can't use. And even if they could use it, would they be getting the things that are actually helpful to them? Like this Miss Solomon, 35-year-old mother from the Bronx. So she, just like you just referenced, she can't find a doctor who accepts the insurance she has. Three of her children are coping with asthma and some more medical challenges. And once they're prescribed a drug, they can't even afford the drug. Not that we're saying the drug is really the healing solution, but in some cases with asthma, we acknowledge that it can be a life-saving intervention. But certainly it's not a corrective method of application of synthetic toxic drugs. Yeah, that, and that's unfortunately the um, mainstay of almost all insurance companies. It's thrown to a doctor, then they limit the doctor how much time they can spend with the, with the patient, and the doctor's under the constraints of the insurance company, and then they just you know spend two, three minutes, write a prescription and give it to the patient, and, and the problem gets perpetuated on and on and on. Yeah, the thing that they will cover no matter what are vaccinations. You don't even have to have insurance. You'll find you can get a free vaccination because the taxpayer's picking up that tab and there is nothing you can do if your child is injured or killed. You got nobody to sue. You got to petition an unconstitutional kangaroo vaccine court. Yeah, that's unfortunate that um, it's not even really part of the medical arena anymore because you can get a flu shot now at a grocery food store. You can get it at a kiosk at an airport. You can get it anywhere. So I'm not even sure why it's considered part of the medical care program or the insurance program anymore because it's, it should be, I don't know, it's, it should be equated to food stamps. In fact, you know, at least food stamps are giving you something that you can benefit from the vaccines. It's, uh, it's like a mandatory, um, it's like a mandatory physio- physiological impairment. Yeah, exactly. We must impair you. You must accept it. And it is a form of medical welfare, although it puts you on welfare because it doesn't do anything to genuinely help your immune system. And that's a problem. But that's the problem with the entire system. And that's the interesting thing about a Trump presidency, potentially, if they do repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing, or as they've said, in some cases, medical savings accounts, which I do agree would be better. But at the same time, if they're limiting your ability to spend your money on your health, they're still controlling you. This is another form of social slash medical engineering because they're probably not going to allow you to spend it on homeopathic remedies or dietary supplements or organic food. Right. That's that's exactly right, Robert. The, one of the problems is this. Um, you know, brings up the topic of misinformation. How misinformation is being being spread, and I think that's part and parcel of uh, this whole movement. Is also is to not only give. Um, not only limit the choices, but then also propagate misinformation and create confusion and distraction and direct people in the, in the direction that will be least beneficial and, and more than likely um, detrimental to them. And so I think um, part of my motivation to do the show with you every week for the last almost seven years now has been to help with that misinformation, to prevent that misinformation from being um, one of their weapons in their arsenal to manipulate the population with, to provide 
a balanced perspective. Um, in, when I say balanced perspective, maybe we're biased a little bit on our end, but the point is it's so overly biased on the opposite end that the goal is to provide a balanced perspective. Yeah, and the thing is what, what is covered is typically toxic with rare exception. And even if it's not covered, they'll say, well, listen, we, you're not covered, but you can, you can go to the, the, the drugstore and, and buy a bottle of Tylenol. That's pretty cheap. And that's acetaminophen. And there's a story here in the show notes that talks about acetaminophen being a precipitating factor in uh, autism spectrum disorder manifestation. Did you see this? Acetaminophen used for fever associated with autism? Yep, I did see that. Acetaminophen associated with autism, yep. And, of course, anything that damages the, le- the liver, reduces the production of glutathione, means that even if you can methylate, you will methylate a lot less under the influence of a drug that is so liver toxic. So the, the whole thing with acetaminophen, um, a lot of people don't recognize this or don't realize this, but the number one drug, non-prescription uh, Drug actually it doesn't matter whether it's prescription or non-prescription. The number one cause of liver failure in the United States is the use of acetaminophen. Think about that. How much a- Tylenol is is distributed like candy to kids after a vaccination due to site-specific pain or fever, and that could be the precipitating factor that could put a kid that might methylate a little better to the point where they don't, and suddenly now they can't remove any of the mercury and other heavy metals and toxins that are being injected into them. Yeah, the the number of people out there that are exposed and susceptible to that are in the millions, Robert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you have a country that has embraced fully a medical church that uses toxic poisons as a means to suppress certain responses of the body that are appropriate for survival, although can go to extreme uh, levels, and you can want to, you may want to legitimately interfere in them temporarily. But the interference that they utilize so casually has created or facilitated many children who may not have, on that first shot, gone right into autism, but facilitated an acceleration decline into that neurological damage. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Robert. I completely agree with that. There are so many. So many uh, causes, but see, I don't think that it's acetaminophen that's causing autism. I think that's that's right. I think that certainly the toxicity from the mercury and from the other things that are causing the denudation of the neurofibrils and mercury, we know, is by far the greatest cause of that. Um, then you've got organs of detoxification that are further impaired, and of course, that's the gut, the liver, the kidneys, and anything that affects the gut, the liver, the kidneys is going to further impair the body's ability to get rid of these toxins. And of course, acetaminophen we know affects the liver and has uh, you know puts a burden on some of the other organs, uh, obviously the kidneys as well to some extent. So um, from that standpoint, is it contributory? Yes. But to say that it's the cause, no. No, No, everything that they try to do to distract from the actual cause is purposeful. In this case, though, we will acknowledge that anything that diminishes the liver's capacity to detoxify the body from a normal metabolic waste, much less an environmental toxic assault via injection or inhalation or anything that does that is only going to exacerbate a, an, an existing threat, assault, that is going to lead to, to a disaster eventually. It will accelerate that disaster. That's exactly right. I totally agree with that. 
So what can we switch to? I mean, as a homeopath, of course, we have remedies in our arsenal to address inflammation, pain, swelling, fever safely. Uh, Lately, CBD, which over the last couple of years, I've immersed myself in a lot of study there and found that it can actually relieve a lot of the pain associated with something that you might resort to an NSAID or an acetaminophen as well, safely. Uh, but there are other things that you've encountered over the years that may make resorting to a drug like that maybe not ever necessary. Well, we use um, a couple of different things. We use a, a number of herbals, and um, you know I don't want to get into exactly what we use, but it's a combination of a couple of different things. Uh, and since we know we have friends that listen mm-hmm. to us uh, that uh, – that create problems, and so our stuff is, you know, some combination. But they're herbals; they're falling into the classification of herbals, and there are, of course, some homeopathics that we use as well um, that you're aware of. And then, of course, we've got uh, a new line of homeopathics that's hopefully going to be released uh, in the near, very, very near future. And then all these uh, components are also then um, charged with a certain type of technology to make them more assimilate better in the body and more um, effective and um, so, yeah, there are many things that people can use. Uh, our mainstay has been using herbals and then, of course, some of the homeopathics, too, as you've already mentioned. Yeah, it's very exciting to, to, to know that we'll be able to bring those out soon as well. And, um, you know, the idea even we've talked about the origin of aspirin coming from the white willow bark, right? These things are available as herbs, and we've been utilizing them for, you know, headaches for kids, for, you know, things like that. Although I would recognize that most headaches are evidence of liver congestion. We work with the liver, and suddenly the headache goes away. So we're looking at these things at points of origin as opposed to just even uh, suppressing or managing a symptom, albeit herbally. We want to get to the source of the problem. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the fever... Uh, that, which is what acetaminophen is usually used for, the fever is actually the body's natural response uh, to a pathological uh, situation, an infectious situation, where the body is releasing interleukin-2 so that we can actually increase the temperature in the body, which is going to be detrimental to the bacteria. So that's the whole mechanism behind fever. So fever is not a bad thing. Fever is actually a good thing. It's that if fever gets up to a certain point at 105, 106 degrees, you start creating a denaturing of the protein, and that can cause uh, have, that can have implications to the brain, and so that's really what you want to prevent. But really, it's the infection that causes the person to have a fever, and so we treat the fever, trying to make the person feel better. But in actuality, we may be um, we, we may not be doing the best thing for the body when we try to reduce the fever. So low-grade fever, letting the body do what it needs to do. Um, But again, the fever is a symptom of the problem. The fever is not the problem. So you want to treat the underlying issue, which again is what we use the herbals and the homeopathics for to deal with the infectious aspect. And then as that infection starts to dissipate, the fever goes down and and you accomplish your path. Exactly, exactly. And that's why you keep tuning in to Advanced Medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking an optimistic view of the world, despite things that you might go, hey, you shouldn't be optimistic. Or we'll be like that guy last hour who still doesn't know who won the presidential election. Blissful ignorance? Is it really blissful? (laughs) We'll talk with Dr. Batar about that and a whole lot more as we wrap up Advanced Medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Check out the show notes six days a week, two hours a day here on the Robert Scott Bell Show at robertscottbell.com. Links are up there as well as archives. You can hear at GCN. They, they have them up first, of course. Then they pop up all around the world. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Red State Radio, UK Health Radio, SoundCloud. And, of course, our special edition, Advanced Medicine. Go to medicalrewind.com. Earlier today on the show with Dr. Batar, we talked about the IADFW, International Association for a Disease-Free World, and that is uh, advancedmedicine.info. If you're not already a member, your invitation code, because you're part of the Robert Scott Bell Show, is 1358. That will be added to the notes shortly as well. Uh, Dr. Batar, signs of toxicity. This is an interesting thing. I, I remember back to my medical upbringing, and there's a, an interesting article on Natural News saying there are 10 signs or top signs that your body is toxic. I'm like, dude, I had almost every one of those things, and never once did a doctor say I was toxic until I met a homeopath when I was 24 and said, your liver is toxic. First thing he said to me, I'm like, dude, what were all the other doctors looking at? Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I don't think... Um in mainstream medicine, I know that I was never taught even the concept of toxicity. And when you did talk about toxicity, it was always uh, pharmacological toxicity that was being referred to. It wasn't about just toxins in the environment. It was always some type of drug, prescription drug, that somebody took too much off or took too fast or whatever the case was. Yeah. So in modern medicine, the concept of toxicology is limited to pharmacological toxicology. So... None of these things are taught in medical school, and um, I think constipation is considered basically... Oh, so let's go through these six real quick, and then we'll kind of list them out. Constipation, persistent headaches, muscle aches or fatigue, food allergies, trouble with weight loss, skin abnormalities such as acne and hormonal imbalances. So I'll address what, what modern medicine sees these as, and then, Robert, we can talk about what they really mean. Sure. But constipation is uh, is pretty much normal. If you go to the bathroom once every other day or once every third day, that's not something that doctors look at uncommonly. In fact, I think you've joked about it on the show. You should ask the doctor mm-hmm. how often do you have a bowel movement to decide if that's a doctor that you should be going to because if they're eliminating the right way, then you know that maybe they're doing something right. Um, there was something to that extent that we talked about once. Oh, yes. Uh, persistent headaches, muscle aches, or fatigues, that's considered, hey, that, that person must be depressed, put them on an antidepressant. So that would be analogous to depression. Uh, food allergies, that's considered fluff. There's no such thing as food allergies. Um, hmm. Trouble with weight loss, um, you need to be put on a, a, a um, fenfen or uh, I guess... Amphetamines, right? They want to speed your metabolism, like hyper, hyper-stimulate your adrenals, something like that. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and then they would also recommend that you need to uh, start having a better diet, which means it's consisting of um, sugar-free um, uh, I'm sorry, fat-free, sorry, fat-free food. They would right. recommend that you have fat-free food, which is only going to make the situation worse. Uh, skin abnormalities such as acne would be, you need to be put on antibiotics uh, for your acne, and then hormonal imbalances, that's when you get put on hormones. And um, those that are a little bit more advanced, and let's say that in quotes and facetiously, they put them on bioidentical hormone therapy, thinking that that's something better. And so that's how we address those six, categories, those six signs of toxicity in modern medicine. Yeah, and of course, none of them would be helped by helping the liver or the gut of any of these people, right? Exactly. I mean, everything that I just listed just makes the problem worse, 
and doesn't solve any of the solutions and certainly doesn't address the underlying causation. It's only under uh, it's only addressing the symptom, and even then, it's not adequately uh, addressing the symptom at all. You you know you think about this, Doctor Batar. Imagine if every patient that went to a doctor, every doctor said, "We're going to first start with liver congestion." And then we're going to start with healing your gut. Can you imagine how many as a percent or what would the percentage be of people that were coming in with complaints? Those complaints would go away. Virtually all of them, Robert. So (laughs) let's look at these six things. Let's let's talk about one thing that I covered in my book. Actually, it's one of my nine steps. Yeah, we got to do it in about a minute. Okay, so one thing you can do to address all six of these things effectively with only one of the steps in the book. Go for it. it. Yeah, go for it. We almost have no time to do it, but you're just going to have to let it out. Reveal it. Okay. Step number uh, three, the third step, water. If you drink enough water, good, clean, quality water, your constipation will be alleviated, your headaches will be alleviated, your food allergies will decrease, weight loss, you'll start increasing metabolism, skin will clear up, and hormonal issues will all be balanced out. And, of course, Dr. Batman Gellich, your body's many cries for water, discovered it in prison in Iran. Imagine that. Simple steps you can take to get well and stay well right here on Advanced Medicine every week with Dr. Rashid Bittar, where he reminds you, like I remind you, and he's about to remind you what? That the power to heal is yours. Yes, it is. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 